And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, just to uh, throw this out there, something we haven't done in a while. The mailing address, if you want to send us material to review, 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. And we will uh, add that to our list. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at uh, Sci-Fi for Me. Still dealing with stuff here, but you know, it is what it is. We we move onward and upward, and we continue to do the best we can with what we've got. Uh, I'm still I'm still having some. Issues with the computer, of course. And like I said yesterday, that thought about uh, Whataburger hiring is still there in the back of my head. Especially after seeing all of the stuff going on we're going to talk about today with, uh, with Masters of the Universe. And everything else. So the live chat is open. I'm going to have a tough time monitoring everything because I'm only down to two monitors now. So um, the live chat's open. Comments are open. We are right now broadcasting live to YouTube, Facebook, and Odyssey. And hopefully it will uh, it will continue to cooperate with us. And uh, the email address, if you want to send us uh, feedback that way, we, it is uh, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. All right. And if you prefer to uh, consume your talk shows. As an audio file, we do have uh, various different po- uh, podcast platforms where this show is available, so you can check those out as well. And if you're uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, especially, but the other ones as well, uh, if you want to give us some kind of a rating, that will help the algorithm as far as discovery goes. I had somebody uh, I had somebody send me a, a note. About the new uh, the new rules coming out about YouTube and their AdSense payouts, so I got to look into that because we we got a check from Google yesterday. I I was like, well, okay, I guess controversy sells <clears throat> because you know that whole Gygax thing. Uh, we've we've picked up a number of, of new subscribers, which uh, we're glad to see. If you haven't subscribed yet, we do invite you to do so. Have your notifications turned on if if you're so inclined. If this is material programming, I'm I'm trying to get out of the habit of calling it content because that's. That's corporate marketing speak, and it annoys me a little bit. Uh, but you know, we we do we do quite a bit here, and hopefully, there's at least one of our seven programs that you enjoy enough that maybe you subscribe. All right, um, programming notes might not be a show on Monday. Not sure yet. I'm discussing it with Mrs. Boss, see if she wants to do a takeover. I actually have some day job stuff that's going to take me out of the office. So there's a possibility that there's no show, and we will have a pre-recorded H2O podcast Monday night uh, because of all of that as well. We're going to be talking about uh, Richard Donner's career with something we have been attempting to do for the last two weeks. We're going to finally get it done, I hope. So there is that. Um, and then tomorrow, being Friday, it's, there's, a, there's, there's something 
I I've I've got in the back of my mind that there's a particular something that I've got to remember about tomorrow, but I'm I've got to I've got to look and see what it might be. Um, it's Friday. We don't have a show. Um, it's the twenty third. I, it might have, it might be the day it might be the day that I'm going to apply over at at Whataburger. No, wait, that's Mrs. Boss. Do you know if there's a if there's something is there something going on tomorrow that I need to remember? Take out the trash. Ta- take out the trash. <laughs> Tomorrow's not trash day. <laughs> All right, I got you. I got you. no. Tomorrow is our anniversary, and uh, is it two years or three years? Two years, right? No, seriously, it's two it's two years, right? Yeah, okay, two years. I will say this in all seriousness. Um, the last five years that uh, that Mindy has been in my life have been some of the most satisfying and fulfilling years of my entire adult life. So I'm glad she's here. I'm glad we met. I'm glad that uh, she's sticking around. Despite all of the old man complaints and such, but uh, but there we are. All right, so let us now get into a few things. Let's start with the Batgirl casting, because this goes back to an episode of this show where I talked about Hollywood's hatred for redheads. The Ginger Side continues... And the Heights star Leslie Grace is going to be playing Barbara Gordon for an HBO Max project. And if uh, I don't know if anybody know, noticed the news yesterday, Warner Brothers apparently has plans to roll out several feature film projects specifically for HBO Max. So made for TV movies, I guess, uh, going to HBO Max instead of theatrical rollout. But now we have another ginger being replaced because reasons. Uh, we'll have to. There's there's a, a chart out there somewhere that's now going to have to be updated. This is probably a good uh, twenty or thirty redheads who have been replaced in Hollywood uh, by non-redheads. Let's say. Uh, Leslie Grace, known for a breakout role in In the Heights, joining the DC Universe's Barbara Gordon. Uh, this is confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Bad Boys for Life filmmakers Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah are directing Batgirl from a script by Christina Hudson, the DC mainstay. I'm not sure I'd go that far. Behind Birds of Prey and the upcoming The Flash. Now, I was... I don't know... Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I missed that Christina Hodson was doing the script on The Flash. Um, I'm not sure that that's... I'm not sure that that's a plus. Because from everything that I heard about Birds of Prey, it was not great. Is that is 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 that is that how we how we say it? Is that how we can can characterize it? Uh, three Latin Grammy Award nominations for for Miss Grace. DC Universe has cast three Latina actresses in key film roles this year, with Grace, who's Dominican American, joining Sasha Kali as Supergirl in The Flash, and we think. I, I personally think she's going to be playing Laura Lane Kent. I know people have said, no, she's going to be playing Cara Zarel, but I think she's going to be playing Laura Lane Kent. And Rachel Zegler, a mystery role in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So, okay, so we've seen some chatter that this Batgirl project is not related to the DC Universe, the film universe, uh, it could possibly be connected to all of the Matt Reeves Batman stuff that he's developing for HBO Max, maybe. Uh, this possibly, very likely, is the Batgirl project that we'd been hearing about for a number of years that Joss Whedon was supposed to be responsible for. So, okay. But 
Zoe Dutch, uh, Zoe Deutsch, Zoe, Zoe, what was her name? There were there were three or four different redhead actresses that were being bandied about among fans and among social media. And with this announcement, everybody was like, Zoe was right there. Zoe was right there. Right there. And everybody was expecting Batgirl to look like Batgirl. Guess not. I mean, when you stop and consider the track record that Hollywood has with redheads, is anybody surprised? Really? Really? Are you surprised at all? Because if you are surprised, then you haven't been paying attention. Uh, some word now here. Um, we mentioned, uh, mentioned the, the Ginger Side episode here. Um, we also talked with uh, writer-producer Cameron Pasha on Monday's show. We recorded it over the weekend, and that was out on Monday. One of the things that I asked him about was the potential that we were looking at uh, Viacom CBS possibly being for sale. And uh, there are four contenders for the acquisition. Assuming that Sherry Redstone is shopping it around, this, uh, this article here in the New York Post uh, saying that she was talking at the... There was a Allen & Company media conference in Sun Valley, Idaho a few weeks ago. And according to people there... Sherry Redstone, who's the embattled chief of Viacom CBS, uh, she apparently has been having a number of different conversations, and the and the the rumor has come out that you've got four possible contenders of people that might be looking at buying Viacom CBS. You've got Disney, uh, uh, excuse me, Disney. You've got Discovery Warner, Warner Discovery. You have uh, Comcast, and then you have Netflix. Now, Comca Comcast would probably be the least likely of the contenders just from the standpoint that they already own NBC. And if they were to buy Viacom CBS and somehow merge the Paramount Plus streamer and the Peacock streamer, you still have the... <sighs> the problem of owning CBS and NBC. And so your, your, uh, your anti-monopoly laws would prevent that. So at some point, something would have to get broken aside. So does Comcast ditch NBC or do they ditch Viacom or, or sorry, do they ditch CBS and keep Viacom and we split that company up again? Uh, you've got Warner Discovery, which is already having to go through federal review for that deal. So it's not likely that they would take on another acquisition so quickly because they're still going through the process of, of getting reviews and approvals from, from federal regulators for that merger. Disney is already too big. They already have their own streamer with Disney+. Plus. Netflix, and, and I tend to agree with, with Cameron on this one. Netflix seems to be the best option out of the four. And I say best, I say most viable. I don't know that this is necessarily a good idea to start with because all of these companies are getting too big. And as we've seen from the social media side of things, when companies get too big, it becomes a problem for everybody else. Uh, Facebook and and Twitter come to mind as far as the tech cartel, and that's what I'm going to call them now. It's not big tech. They are the tech cartel, and they are acting very much in a way that uh, that is reminiscent of organized crime. That's a nice that's a nice post. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it. I think that the the disconnect from reality, and in the social media companies is such that now we're starting to see some of the, some of the masks slip off because they think they're beyond reproach. 
And as we've learned, and I mentioned yesterday, as we've learned here recently, the, the, the Biden administration is actively pursuing the practice of shutting down anyone that's putting out information they don't like. And that, however you want to spin it, misinformation. Well, who decides what misinformation is? Who decides the definition of misinformation? Who decides what's accurate and what's not? And when you have people that are going to set themselves up as the arbiters of truth. So basically you have the ministry of truth trying to set up here. Because if the government and party aside... I don't care if a Democrat's in office or if the Republican's in office or if by some miracle some libertarian someday gets elected president. I don't care who's in office for the government to coordinate the suppression of speech. And that's what this is. Make no mistake. This is the government saying, hey, Facebook, we don't like that post. We're going to flag it. You need to think about taking it down. That is actively pursuing the suppression of speech in violation of the of the of the First Amendment. Now, whether anybody is putting anything out there that's accurate or true or not, there's a limit to what the government is allowed to do. And these companies are getting way too big and way too sure of themselves and way too full of themselves. We can do no wrong. You can't stop us. That's essentially what they're doing. And congressional committees can pull them up to testify as many times till the cows come home and it's not going to change anything. Because they're hiding behind the skirts of the two thir- of Section 230. Until these companies are either broken up into smaller companies or regulated as, ut- as public utilities, nothing is going to change. And that applies to the big, the big media companies doing the same kind of thing. You look at how big Disney has gotten with their acquisition of 20th Century Fox. Disney is so big. You know, ESPN, ABC, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, all of these different things that Disney owns. And, and, that's only taking into account the media production side of things. You look at the parks, you look at the, at the, at the cruise line, you look at the properties, you look at the various different things that they're involved in, that they have their fingers in that aren't related to media. Disney's a huge, huge behemoth company. Now they don't need Viacom CBS and out of the four of these contenders for Viacom CBS, if Viacom CBS is for sale, let's let's make sure that we stipulate that. So you have these four. Disney's probably the least likely to be interested. Netflix would probably be the go-to company that because they want one. And as Cameron pointed out, they want to be a contender as a Hollywood studio. They want to be a Hollywood studio. They want to be a player. In the Hollywood machine. Now we saw what happened when AT&T tried that. Now Netflix has a leg up on that front. Because Netflix actually does produce media. They're not making phones. So they, they have an advantage over AT&T on that front. But Netflix is still trying to get into Hollywood. You know they're buying up theaters. So their projects can be contenders for Oscar nominations and such. And so you've got this now big push because the streaming services are, are the thing to do now. That's the, that's the goal is we've got to get on the streamers. We've got to get our own millions of subscribers to get that sweet, 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 sweet streamer money. 
I mean, it's been, you know, get that sweet Netflix deal. Now, how many comic book writers and, and stuff are making their comic books as pitches for Netflix? Because that's essentially what they're doing. I want my Netflix deal. Well, somebody has got their Netflix deal. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But see, Viacom CBS is not the only one that's being looked at for acquisition. We got this in Variety. Brian Grazer and Ron Howard's Imagine Entertainment draws overtures from potential buyers. And you get into this article, it looks here, in investors and potential buyers include an undisclosed sovereign wealth fund from the Middle East. That's possibly, uh, this is a complete guess on my part, possibly uh, Saudi Arabia maybe. Quietly exploring American media investments of late, also kicking the tires on Imagine are Kevin Meyer and Tom Staggs, the former Disney executives who have a bankroll of up to $2 billion from private equity giant Blackstone to buy up independent content companies. There's that, there's that marketing catchword again, content. It's all about our content. As well as international banks, according to two people familiar with discussions. Now, in this article, it also mentions that Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine production company and LeBron James' Spring Hill Entertainment are also being looked at for acquisition. And then this breaks, just as the Dune trailer hits, this out of deadline, Legendary, which made Dune, Add Legendary to big companies rumored to be targeted for acquisition. This is uh, Mike Fleming. This is today, July 22nd. Uh, he writes, <coughs> excuse me, he writes, This has been circulating the last two weeks with the principals saying nothing happening. But de Deadline has been hearing that Dune backer Legendary has caught the attention of buyers in this moment of rumored consolidation following the link-ups of Discovery and Warner Media and MGM and Amazon. The rumor last week was that Netflix was eyeing Legendary. See, there's Net See, Netflix wants one of these. Netflix wants to be a contender in a studio setting. They want to be able to make the movies that go out into the, in, into the theaters. Uh, it's been roundly denied that anything was going on with Netflix. While big moves might well be afoot from the likes of Comcast and Viacom CBS, a lot of the rumored couplings of production companies and distributors going for billions seem contrived and possibly are stories shopped by companies that want to seem relevant or maybe it's a slow summer. So right now, this is smoke. This is, there's rumors. There's possibility. There's a there's a there's a maybe here. Netflix, whatever Netflix is doing, Netflix is going to have to do something because right now, Netflix is not looking very good. Masters of the Universe is about to drop tomorrow on the twenty third. That's was that what I was supposed to remember? <laughs> I'm getting a look. So tomorrow, Masters of the Universe drops on Netflix. This is Kevin Smith's animated project from Powerhouse. And um, the early reviews, the embargo has lifted on the first five episodes that certain media types were allowed to see early. We were not on that list. Of course, it, it, kind, of, it kind of goes back. I didn't, even, I didn't even reach out to pursue that. Um, and I'll get into that here in a minute. But basically, the reviews the reviews have come out. Uh, IGN, Grace Randolph, there's there's a number of people who have come out and, and talked about this, and it's great, it's fabulous, it's fantastic, it's wonderful. But it also shows that Kevin Smith possibly has been lying through his teeth about the show. Now, a couple years ago, I guess it was a couple years ago. Man, time flies. So Clownfish TV, Neon and Geeky Sparkles, had somebody telling them, had a little birdie tell them something about the show and the inside workings, and they said, we're hearing 
we're hearing that this is going to be focused on Tila. And He-Man's probably not even going to fit into it. And Kevin Smith basically called him out and said, no, y'all are lying. Made this big deal about how this show was going to be. Um, it, it's going to be the, the sequel to the Filmation show. Which he's backtracked on that even. And it's not Tila's show. Tila's not a lesbian. He-Man's still very much in this. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a sequel to the Filmation show. Even though Filmation... This is not a Filmation project now. Mattel is, is doing the, the production. And you know Kevin Smith has even backtracked on that. But the, the reviews come out. And IGN probably does it bigger and bolder than anybody else when they put up here, highlighted in red, in massive letters, basically, this is Tila's show. Let that sink in for a minute. This is He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Basically, this is Tila's show. Kevin Smith has denied all of this. He-Man does no stepping aside. Tila has a friend who's a girl, not a girlfriend. Story is still dark and metal. Original title was End of the Universe. But this is... He's also backtracking on the fact that this is a, a sequel. He says here, this was... Uh, when was this? Back in... Uh, this was July... July 7th. So this has been the recent version of the story. It says, The show's producer is Mattel, so everything we do in Revelation is more toy-based. The old show is owned by another studio. Uh, it was Filmation at the time. I don't know who, who owns it now. Which is why I've always said our Master's official series is a spiritual sequel to the old show. Legally, we can't be an actual sequel to Filmation. Well, somebody needs to tell... Everybody that's reviewing and promoting this show, because Netflix even says it's a sequel. All of the reviews say it's a sequel. So whether it's a spiritual sequel or an actual sequel, it is a perceived sequel. And it does set itself up very, very clearly picking up with the same characters from the Filmation show, which, of course, was made to sell toys. Same as this one. But you go back to what Clownfish had posted. This was March 10th, and I don't know how long ago this was. A couple of years ago, I guess. And Neon writes, my understanding of Kevin Smith's He-Man series from an alleged insider, Tila is a better He-Man than Adam, and he steps aside to let her and her girlfriend take over hero duties. If true, this won't play well. Now, maybe He-Man doesn't step aside. If I'm looking at the trailer that, that came out here before, the first trailer, what looks to me it could be happening is that He-Man gets shunted off somewhere, somehow. He's a prisoner. He disappears. He's gone. Some, somehow, somehow He-Man is taken off the board. And Tila and her crew is given the responsibility, as we saw in the second trailer, Tila's the one who's tasked with a quest to return magic to Eternia and restore restore the balance of the Force to, to the universe. And when Kevin Smith says, no, 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 Tila doesn't have a girlfriend. She's got a friend, but not a girlfriend. And then you've got Grace Randolph doing her preliminary report, basically saying that the show is queer baiting because in the first few moments where Tila and Andra are introduced, they're clearly a couple, according to Grace Randolph, and yet Andra then gets rele relegated to the background, and she's not a prominent character. So here we're going to tease, yes, there's, there's Tila and her girlfriend, but we're not going to put any attention on the girlfriend. So, okay, 
And then she goes on to say, Grace Randolph does, that Prince Adam also shows signs of being not heterosexual in this show. And again, we get back to this, why is it that the sex lives of fictional characters are so important to certain people? Kevin Smith also going on to a stream, and I don't know where this was, there's clips of it, where he basically talks about how he was such a fan of He-Man growing up, and in and when he was a kid in 1981 and 1982, he'd run home and this would be this would be his appointment television. I'm paraphrasing. But stop and consider that the Masters of the Universe He-Man cartoon from Filmation didn't hit the air until 1983. So how can you go home to watch a show two years before it existed? And Kevin Smith is on tape as part of his comic book men program saying, I was I wasn't a fan of He-Man. There are tweets documenting that Kevin Smith even said himself, I was not that into He-Man. So which is it? Were you a big fan of He-Man or not? Now, me personally, I never got into the show. I was already, you know, I was I was already into other things when I was 13. I was in band. We were doing, you know, I was I I, I it was all I was almost past my Dungeons and Dragons phase. I did a little Starfleet battles. But I wasn't that into role-playing games and, and the fantasy stuff. I was, I was leaning more into hard science fiction. And cartoons, eh, I'm 13 years old. Uh, you know, cartoons are not that really big my thing anymore. So it wasn't that big of a deal for me. I mean, nah, I saw it for what it was. It's a, it's a cartoon to sell toys. And I'm 13. I don't need to be buying toys. I want to buy books. So I'm not invested in the, in the filmation show. I'm not invested in the legacy of He-Man. I don't care. I'm also not interested in the new show. I see the trailers. Okay, yeah, that looks kind of interesting, but I also see how it's being marketed. And I don't care. I'm not interested in this show. If you're going... If you're going to lie about the show, then I don't care about your show. If it can be demonstrably proven that you've lied about your show then I especially don't want to have anything to do with your show. And this is not the first time that lying has been used as a marketing tool. It seems to me, especially of late, that it's the, it's the go-to thing. Lie about something, create some controversy about something, backpedal, lie some more, double down, do whatever it takes to get people's tongues wagging about your thing. Your product, your widget, your show, your movie. J.J. Abrams is notorious for having done this about Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, no, 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 no. He's not con. When did this become acceptable? When did it become acceptable to lie? Now... Look, I've got 33 years in media. I'm old. I'm old-fashioned. There's a certain way to do things, and there's a certain way you not do things. And I have never, in my 33 years in media, I have never 
taken a class, taken a course, looked at a workshop, a webinar, a white paper, an article, a how-to video, any of that, I have never run across the idea that it's an acceptable business practice to deceive your customer base. In the advertising world, that's called fraud, and it can be prosecuted. If you advertise your product and say, this thing will slice and dice and make julienne fries, and then if your widget does not slice and dice and make julienne fries, you can be prosecuted for that. So if you tell me this movie does not have Khan Noonien Singh in it, and it does, you've lied to me. If you sit there and say, oh, no, no, this, t this, this show is not about Tila, and it's about Tila, you've lied to me. If you tell me, no, 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 this, this movie is going to be exactly like the old Star Wars films, and it's not, you've lied to me. When Paul Rudd says, I don't know anything about the Ant-Man movies, and then he's cast in the Ant-Man movies, you've lied to me. When any of the Marvel actors say something that is not true and turns out to be not true, Tatiana Maslany coming in and saying, well, I don't know anything about She-Hulk. And then she's She-Hulk. You've lied to me. I have never been taught that outright deceit is an acceptable business practice. You can exaggerate, hey, we've got all these great products, and you can tell me why they're great. You should tell me why they're great. The whole idea behind marketing is I have this thing. I have this widget and I want you to buy my widget. Now, there's a couple of different ways that you can do this. Ethically. One, you could sit there and say, my widget will do X, Y, Z. And this other guy's widget won't do that. My thing will do what this other thing won't. So you can market this as an improvement on a product. It's better. It does more. It's flashier. Now, you can also appeal through bandwagon. Everybody's buying one of these. Sales are through the roof. Now, it's, that's a certain amount of hyperbole, sure. But if you've got the sales numbers and sit there and say that there are a lot of people buying your widget, you should get one too. That's bandwagon approach. What, what nowadays people are, you know, fear, fear of losing out, fear of, fear of missing out. What is it? FOMO, FOMO, whatever, fear of missing out. No, bandwagon approach. Everybody's getting one. You need to get one. <coughs> Excuse me. The other way that you approach the marketing of a widget, and you can sit there and say, this widget will solve this particular problem for you. I don't know how many commercials that I have made in my 30 years where you establish a need, you acknowledge a need, or you create a need, something your customers probably haven't even ever thought of. Oh, hey, yeah, I could use one of those. Because once there's a need established and acknowledged, then you can put your widget up and say, this solves that need. This solves that problem. This fulfills that goal. 
and you're not lying because you can sit there and say, this widget was made to do this and solve this problem. You need to dig a hole? Here's a shovel. And there are certain regulations in place that prevent advertisers from saying certain things about their product in relation to other people's products. You can sit there and tell us that your stuff is great. You cannot tell us that your th stuff is the best. There are regulatory considerations. There are ethical considerations. When you lie to your customer base, you will lose business because eventually, sooner or later, and with the internet, a lot of times it's sooner, people will start to realize that you have lied about your product. And they'll talk about that. I think one of the reasons why Star Trek is in so much trouble as it is is because the production people continue to lie about it. And it's not just lying about the product. We have the people what in charge lying about what people say about the product. You mischaracterize my critique of your product. You're also lying that way. If you take my review, and I'm speaking just in general broad terms here. If you take my review, or if you take my interview with someone, for example, and you take pieces of that interview out of context, and you present a narrative based on that out-of-context clip from the interview, Ernie Gygax is a transphobe. TSR is transphobic. Based on a clip from an interview, if you take anything out of context and you spin it to present a narrative that is not true, then you are lying about me. You're lying about what people have said. You're lying about Clownfish in this particular case because Kevin Smith has lied about what Clownfish, Clownfish TV said. James Mangold, when he reacted to what Matthew Kadish said and his concerns that he voiced about Indiana Jones 5, they mischaracterize and misrepresent what Matthew typed on Twitter and said, these guys are fill in the blank and Matthew said I never said it was going to be bad all I said was I have concerns and here are the reasons why but James Mangold wants to take that and take an entire weekend and make it out to where people are sitting there hating on Indiana Jones 5 when they're not don't lie The problem with lying is you have to keep track of who you lied to and what lies you told. Because there are times when you're, when you're creating your story, when you're creating your narrative, when you're telling your lie, you might tell a different lie to somebody else. And now you got to keep track. Well, which lie did I tell this person? Which lie did I tell that person? And are they, wait, if they start talking to each other, And this has broader applications, too. I mean, when you think about what's happening with the lockdown, for example, it's very clear that certain elected officials and government agencies don't want us talking to each other and comparing notes about things. Because when people talk to each other, they figure out that people have been lying to them. Lying is not a successful winning marketing strategy in any case, whether it's Hollywood or politics or religion or the widget of the month. It is deceitful. It's dishonest. 
and it has a tendency to come back and bite you. There is a passage in Proverbs 26. And it's one of these, uh, it's one of these uh, passages that I have used in a number of, uh, a number of illustrations, trying, to, trying to, uh, to, to get my kid to understand about dishonesty. And this is something that really does come to the fore in my brain a number of times throughout the year. And as I get older, it comes more frequently. And whether you are a believer or not, this is still some sage advice. This is Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. The amount of backpedaling, the amount of... Oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstood. I didn't mean that. I meant this. And then you get into, after the, after the lying, then you get into the gaslighting. Well, I never said that. No, 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 you misheard me. You misunderstood me. I never said it. I don't care if it's on tape. That's not what I said. Well, here it is. Here, here you are on tape saying this. Yes, but that's not what I said. I never said what you said I said. I never said what is on tape that I said. I never said that. We never presented it that way. With lying comes gaslighting, and they double down. And the idea is to make you look like the one who's attacking them. Even though they're the ones who have made the initial transgression. So a piece of advice for everybody, everybody out there who creates something. Whether you invent something if you've got a comic book you're crowdfunding, if you've got a movie you want to make, if you've got a story you want to tell, you've got a widget you've invented, don't lie about it. Tell the truth. The truth is much easier to keep track of because the truth doesn't change. Lies always change. Justification for lies always change. Rationalization for lies will change targets of your lies, the recipients of your lies. Everything changes with lies and dishonesty and deceit. Truth doesn't change. And I do believe that there is such a thing as truth. Not what you perceive is true. Not what you want to be true. Not what you hope is true. Not what you just say it's true. I believe that there is truth. And when you embrace truth, you don't have to keep track of all the lies you've told. You don't have to keep your story straight. You don't have to change things to accommodate whoever new is in charge. We've always been at war with East Asia. We've always needed masks and vaccinations. But no, it's, it's okay if you have this. Oh, it's okay if you do this. It's okay if you do that. But you need this. You need this widget. You need this thing. You need this because it'll do 
X, Y, and Z. It slices, it dices, it even makes julienne fries. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Don't lie about your product. Don't lie about your platform. Don't lie about your beliefs. Don't lie about who you are. Don't lie about what you believe. Don't lie about what your company stands for. Don't lie about what your political party stands for. Don't lie about what you believe as part of your faith. Lying is not a viable marketing tool ever it is a betrayal of trust in whatever walk of life you have in every single interaction with people on planet earth it is a betrayal of trust Gaslighting, doubling down, that only compounds things and makes it worse. Don't lie. Tomorrow is my second anniversary. And I am not lying when I say that these have been some of the best days of my life. Remember... Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And there are four lights. Have a good weekend. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 